0: all right let me just start out by saying thank you for pressing the play button and welcome to another episode of Heroes retreat with noel cruz i am your host the one and only noel cruz Uh, i hope you guys had a fantastic labor day weekend i hope you spent it with friends and family uh, swimming barbecuing camping tanning just surrounded by friends family and love man I, I hope you guys made the best of it. Uh, the weather was pretty incredible, so I hope you took advantage of that. We had a little bit of a heat wave in New York City um, for most of like July and August, so it's getting a, a bit nicer now as we move into September. But uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you made the best of it. This week we are going to review with... Minimal spoilers, I promise. I'll I'll try to keep the spoilers to an absolute minimum. Uh, We are going to review a movie that definitely left an impression on me. I did not expect it to be what it was in the best possible way. And it is none other than Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, But before we get into that and how great that movie was, uh, just a couple of side notes. Um, This past weekend... Uh, There were a couple of anniversaries, particularly one in the animated world. Um, 29 years ago, on September 5th, Batman, the animated series, aired on Fox. Uh, It's Channel 5 for those of us who live in New York City. Uh, And when it premiered, it premiered in prime time, which is another feat. It wasn't like an after-school thing. I remember when it premiered, it premiered at like 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night. So that was that was a feat unto itself for something that was animated. If you guys have not seen an episode or if you're not familiar with Batman the Animated Series, I cannot recommend it enough. Not only because it circles around my favorite superhero, but it, it just honestly is a standard in animation, particularly for the superhero genre. Very reminiscent of the 1940s Max Fleischer cartoons of Superman. And they took a lot from that, particularly particularly uh, in the physicality of the heroes. Like you could tell that Superman and Batman have a very similar physical reference um, and it's beautiful. It's done incredibly well. They recently released the entire series in HD and to see it again in, in high definition is absolutely breathtaking. So if you guys haven't checked it out, definitely see it. Um, I cannot harp on that series enough. Uh, It takes a lot from the Tim Burton films as well, the Danny Elfman theme. So, you know, a little bit of the uh, of the 66 TV series. So it just it takes the absolute best of Batman and put it in animated form. And to this day, it's still an absolute joy to watch. Um, So definitely give that a viewing. Also, ironically, on the same day that that premiered 30 years ago, is the day uh, to celebrate the birthday of one of the actors who made a huge contribution to the history of Batman cinematically. Uh, And that's none other than technically the second man, being that Adam West did do it the first time. And he did it in a movie as well, the Batman 1966 movie. But the modern Batman was brought to the screen with great fanfare and great anticipation. In 1989, Michael Keaton celebrates his birthday on September 5th. So happy birthday to the modern Batman, to the first one to do it in modern times and still one of the best in my opinion. So if there's a cold chance in hell that Michael Keaton is listening to this episode. Happy birthday, brother. And thank you so much for bringing my favorite superhero to life back in 1989. I think I must have seen that movie. No lie, man. Jesus, maybe 10 times in the theater. I was obsessed. Still am, but why not, right? Um, uh, unfortunately, there's also a bit of, uh, of sad news. Um, really fantastic character, actor. Many of you know him from a TV series that I've never seen, but you better believe I'm going to start watching now called The Wire, um, he had a bit part recently in the HBO series Love Ca- Lovecraft Country. He also had a part, um, a minimal part as Chalky White in a fantastic series that really went, I think, kind of under the radar for a lot of people. It was called Boardwalk Empire. Um, an actor by the name of Michael K. Williams, uh, who passed away this weekend um, in Brooklyn in his apartment um. really just sad news the man was an incredible talent even with the small roles that he had he just his face had so much character and so much strength and and I did not know until recently that he was a backup dancer as well I think he did backup dancing for Madonna and a couple of artists from the 90s a couple of hip-hop videos Um. he was a really good friend of one of my favorite DJ myself and, and my cousin Alex uh, we love this DJ called Black Coffee uh, who's who's taken this lo- this loss very profoundly. They were really good friends. Uh, I had gone to see Black Coffee uh, twice in Brooklyn in this place called The Mirage out in Brooklyn. And uh, I think he might have been there on one of the days that uh, myself, Alex, a good friend of mine named Amy, and a good friend of mine named John, uh, Amy's husband as well, Danny. We, we were all there. Incredible concert. And I think if I'm not mistaken that Michael K. Williams might have been at one of the events we had gone to. Um and it's you know, it's just it's it's sad. So much potential gone, you know. So may he rest in peace and uh he will he will be missed, you know, an incredible talent. All right. So that's pretty much it for kind of movie news and anniversaries and, and birthdays and what have you. Now onto my review of a movie that, again, I did not expect to be what it was. So this is now the, I guess with Guardians of the Galaxy, this is probably the second time that Marvel Studios has just hit it out of the park with a character that is not even D-list, he's probably E-list, to be honest with you. Shang-Chi. So just a bit of history here, because again, I'm I'm not even gonna try to say that I was familiar with this character, because I mean, I had a, a, a vague understanding of who he was. I always refer to him as like the Bruce Lee of the Marvel Universe, where you have Iron Fist, um, who is also like a Kung Fu master, but Iron Fist is a white guy, his name is Danny Rand, and Iron Fist was always paired with a character called Power Man, Luke Cage. So back in like the 80s, you had Power Man and Iron Fist, right? And this was around the time that Marvel was kind of diversifying their universe, right? So in the early 1940s, you had heroes that were relevant to the time. You had Captain America, you had Iron Man, Thor came around, the Incredible Hulk, uh, Spider-Man, you know, they would be merged to become the Avengers. Then you had the Fantastic Four and so on. So, you know, the there was not many, if any, ethnic characters that all kind of started to take shape and form as we left the 40s and 50s and we start cornering into the mid-60s, early 70s, mid-70s, right? And that not only is it happening in the world of comic books, but it's happening in the world of cinema. You know, you have a lot of movies that are starting to show, you know, Black Pride, like Shaft. You know, the, the charts are, are, are being taken over by soul music. You have Al Green, you have Aretha Franklin, you, know, you have Isaac Hayes, you know, it's redefining style. So inevitably, that's going to trickle into the world of of comic books as well. And you have, you know, Luke Cage, which is Power Man. He had this tight afro and a, a silver crown on his forehead and a yellow shirt and these gauntlets. And then you have Black Panther, you know, a, a black prince from a futuristic black nation. You know, so little by little, we're we're starting to to see the diversity, and it's all for the better, you know. And Stanley was adamant. I think he said at some point, you know. You have to. The world is a big place. There have to be many heroes of many colors, of many creeds, and that's exactly what he did. And it took, you know, it stood the test of time. Now, with Shang Chi, his history is a little bit. I, I mean, it's it's kind of ironic the way that character came to be, um, mostly because when Marvel. Wanted when Marvel was kind of expanding, they wanted to acquire the rights of a TV show called Kung Fu, uh, with the actor called David Carradine, who was a white actor. Kung Fu was actually developed. One of the people who developed that TV series was Bruce Lee, right? He had just done Cato and Green Hornet, so he had developed Kung Fu as a a vehicle for him to star in. Apparently, depending on who you ask, but it's common knowledge that the studio thought that Bruce was too ethnic. So they gave it to an actor called David Carradine. And David Carradine would go on and do the show, which had its own success. And then it would come back in the 90s as I think Kung Fu, The Legend, continues. So that went on for quite some time. But Marvel was unable to acquire the rights because Warner Communications, who owns DC Comics, they snagged it up. So instead, Marvel was able to cat the rights of a character called Dr. Fu Manchu, right? And then they developed a character called Shang-Chi as a master of Kung Fu and the unknown son of Fu Manchu, right? So stick with me here. They specifically kind of made Shang-Chi kind of give that resemblance and that appeal of Bruce Lee, right? So for those of you who don't know him, his physical abilities primarily stand from his chi, Right, which is, I guess, like your core energy, if I'm not mistaken, and more often than not, it gives him the 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 ability, the physical ability, to kind of supersede or go beyond that of a normal athlete. Right, like he can do crazy shit, like he could stop or dodge bullets from a machine gun or even a sniper rifle, uh, and he's also able to deflect bullets with these bracelets that he has. So he's also incredibly trained in like concentration and meditation and, you know, Wang Chung and all of these other forms of martial arts. He's incredible in hand-to-hand. So primarily in the Marvel Universe, he is the hand-to-hand combat guy, right? He's he's pretty much unstoppable with anything. He grabs a sword, a staff, a collie sticks, a nunchucks, Ninja stars, you name it. He just, he's incredible in terms of hand-to-hand combat to such a degree that throughout the years, they've made him pretty much be the teacher to Captain America, to help Captain America kind of modernize his fighting style, Spider-Man as well, and none other than Wolverine. So he's had kind of an off and on like supplemental membership with the Avengers, um, At which point, while he was with the Avengers, Tony Stark, when they kind of updated him and and modernized the character, Tony Stark took his bracelet and gave him kind of a repulsor effect. And by that, I mean, if you look at the Iron Man films, what Tony shoots out of his hands, what Iron Man shoots out of his hands are known as repulsor rays, right? So in this film, And I'm telling you, man, Marvel doesn't do anything by coincidence or mistake. So as a fan, more often than not, when you see something and don't say to yourself, I think if you have a minimal hunch, yeah, that's pretty much going to be what it is. Because Marvel does not do anything by coincidence. They really don't. So in this film, they utilize the bracelets as the source of power. Now, in the comic books back in the early days, there was a character called the Mandarin. The Mandarin and the Ten Rings. Now, these rings were actual rings that fit on his finger. They all had mystical powers. And he would pretty much be the nemesis of Iron Man directly, if not the Avengers. From time to time, they would put him together with Doctor Doom and with Kang the Conqueror to start trouble. And that he was incredibly good at. Now... As the years progressed, he kind of went through his own, you know, evolution as well. But here is what we are to see and to understand is the Mandarin, who turns out to be Shang-Chi's father. Brief note on a movie called Iron Man 3. Now, Iron Man 3 is the least, one of my least favorite Marvel films. I thought it was terrible. In this movie, they had hyped the mandarin to be the villain and it was none other than an incredible actor by the name of Ben Kingsley if you guys have not seen iron man 3 honestly don't bother i i, I wouldn't even say to if if you're not if you're a casual fan don't bother with iron man 2 if you want to see iron man see his first film all of the avenger movies and civil war that's that's iron man his sequels did not get better as they've gone along. That's just my opinion. And Iron Man 3 was an absolute travesty. Especially with what they did to the Mandarin. Given that it was Ben Kingsley in the part. And given you know that the Mandarin is pretty much Iron Man's Lex Luthor or the Joker. He's like one of his number one nemesis. And my God. It was an absolute disaster across the board. Here and this is why it just marvel is marvel can be unstoppable man they corrected that mistake with that character in such a way that it is probably one of the greatest character redemptions i've ever seen in any movie okay here they justify and they kind of give you the the proper telling of who the mandarin is even more so by making him, as as it should be, the lead villain. Now, the cast is, unto itself, absolutely fantastic. They couldn't have done better. A big shout-out to Simo Liu. uh, Liu, I hope I'm pronouncing his name properly. Who, having to carry this film as the leading man, did absolutely fantastic. His energy his sincerity, I've never seen him in anything before. And I absolutely believe that he was this character. And that's, that's huge, especially in these superhero movies, you have to believe that these characters are either affected in great loss, like with Bruce Wayne, or with Peter Parker losing a loved one. These actors have to deliver that. Now, his origin, Shang-Chi's origin is very different. But Simu Liu did a phenomenal job, a phenomenal job, not only that, but in the martial arts, my God, and I'm going to get this shit out of the way now. Before I saw this film and with whatever reviews I did see, they stated that this film out of the 23 or 24 Marvel films that there currently are, that this film had the best fight scenes of any Marvel movie. That is a bold statement, given the collection of films that are there. Let me clarify this for you now. Shang-Chi, without question, with beyond a shadow of a doubt, has to date the best combat scenes I have seen in any Marvel movie, if not in any film ever. Now, I was a huge fan, I am a huge fan, of the Matrix films, and I thought that the Matrix, the martial arts in those movies was insane, that that was the standard. I think I can safely say that Shang-Chi probably surpasses that. I mean, it's different styles, don't get me wrong, but given that it is based on a superhero, and this guy is a martial art superhero, it just works, and it works incredibly well. What I also love about this film is how they kind of no well, not kind of they they cover all aspects of martial arts in such a beautiful way they cover it in a way that it could be very intense and very fast and very impactful and then there are other scenes where it's just beautiful, and you see like the the Wang Chung styles and and you know the kung fu styles and the stances and the poses and you know there's one move that i absolutely love uh, when shang chi's mother takes her toe and she makes a circle around snow like i I think that's kind of the confinement and not the confinement but but the range of motion you're supposed to have in martial arts when you make that circle like that is the stretch of your of you know of your body of your movement and it's just done so beautiful. It was very reminiscent of uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which if you have not seen, I highly recommend. One of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen in my life. And Shang-Chi had the presence of mind to just kind of cover all of the elements of martial arts. So this isn't just a Kung Fu action movie. It is. But it's so much more than that. It has a lot of heart that I did not expect. It has quite a bit of mysticism as well. It definitely focuses on that chi element. You know, I mean, Shang-Chi, his symbol is a dragon. And that very much comes into play here. And it doesn't do it in a stupid, hokey, comic book kind of way. It, It does it in a beautiful, like one of those Chinese operas man you know or it it just is beautifully done It's, it's Chinese mythology but interwoven for American comic books and it just it fucking bullseye man they got it right they got it right you know I get passionate about it because this could have been a lazy entry and this is why Marvel is the superior brand because they don't get lazy they don't rest on their laurels which is exactly what happened with the first wonder woman which i thought was unbelievable and then the second one was like a joke like you look at the credits the credits are rolling and you sat there and you're like "Did, did that just happen you know it was such a misfire here marvel does it again they take a character that nobody knows about and you keep hearing in in review after review of this film Shang Chi is my new favorite superhero. Shang Chi is my new favorite superhero, but with good reason. You see him as a child. You see what he goes through as he grows up. You see the the uneasy relationship he has with his father, who is actually, you know, the holder of the ten rings. And here they're not, you know, r- rings on a finger. They're they're like these ten rings that are like bracelets that have that repulsor power. And you see how he's lived many centuries you know, and how living that long, it changes you, you know, it changed his, his father's perception from the very beginning of the film. He was kind of like, I guess, Genghis Khan or a conqueror. He just did away with his enemies because of these rings. He held these rings. He held all this power and he was ruthless and he was powerful. And, you know, what, what's the old saying? What is a man who has all the power? What is the only thing he could ever want? More power and it's you know that's definitely a recurring theme here you know but what is it that changes him in his quest and his thirst for power love he meets Shang-Chi's mom and it's beautifully done and he has a family with her and his dynamic begins to change until something happens and if if he was bad before Shang-Chi's dad now he's even worse and this is where the dynamic between father and son. It has kind of like that Luke Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker thing, you know, where Vader lost his way and Luke is the promise of hope of you know of, of Vader's power but for good. Like that's the promise, you know, that's 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 turning now completely to Star Wars. That's the uh what is it? The um Oh man, I'm drawing a blank. That's like the um, the mythology of Star Wars. That Anakin Skywalker was supposed to be the beacon of the Force and he turned out to be the worst possible thing that could ever happen to the Force until he gives, you know, until he meets a woman and falls in love and she gives birth to Luke and Leia, who are in, in essence the purest form of the Force, I think since Yoda. So that's kind of the dynamic here between Shang Chi and his dad that one took the power to abuse it while the other has the power and can go far beyond what his father ever could imagine but he has to stay pure of heart he has to you know keep course he has to not give in to his worst desires or into his worst ambitions or into his worst you know feelings and it's, it it was very compelling it was very captivating the acting was excellent the writing was great And one of my favorite parts of the entire film was when they actually take the time to fix the bullshit we saw in Iron Man 3 and say, no, 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 no. Don't even bother with that. I'm the Mandarin. This is what you've been waiting for. This is the version of the Mandarin that belongs in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I'll leave that there. I don't want to get into any more of it, which in a way is kind of a shame, but they fixed that so well. They fixed that 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 blunder so well because I mean you you can ask any fan. Iron Man Three, when that happened, that was like uh you know a W a WTF moment that everybody just looked at each other like, is this really happening right now? It was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. So to see the Mandarin properly stand up and say, No, that was bullshit. I'm the Mandarin. It's like, I almost wanted to applaud. I'm like, well done, bravo. The cast is continued with Fala Chen, who plays Shang-Chi's mom. You have Tony Leung, who is fantastic as Shang-Chi's dad. Michelle Yao, Yao, who was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. She's also been in quite a a few uh, American movies. She did Tomorrow Never Dies, she did a uh, that James Bond film with Pierce Brosnan. Uh, she's in Star Trek Discovery, if I'm not mistaken. So she's kind of definitely getting her footing into the sci-fi. I think she likes the sci-fi scene. She's also done like dramas and and different types of films for, for Hong Kong cinema. But she's incredibly, incredibly well-respected. And in the American film she's done, she's been great. But here she really shines uh, where Tony Leung, Shang-Chi's dad, he has done a number of uh, Hong Kong cinema as well. He, particularly a movie called In the Mood for Love, which is really cool. I saw that many years ago. I forgot i seen it, but I enjoyed it very, very much. And he was also in a lot of action films for the director John Woo. John Woo was known for just like stylized violence. John Woo was known for bringing that like double gun shooting you know, ultra violent style to America. If you saw Face Off, that was John Wu's contribution to American action cinema. So Face Off with uh, Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, that is where you see John Wu's style. But it's it, honestly speaking, it's watered down. You want two films to watch A Better Tomorrow and Hard Boiled by John Wu. They're gonna literally knock you off your ass, cause it's just crazy, balls to the wall action, like you've never seen. So, Tony Leung is is in that in those two films as well. Then you have Aquafina, who is a Chinese uh, comedian. I believe she has her own sitcom now. I think it's either on CBS or NBC. I don't know much of Aquafina. Um, I saw her in the Oceans 8 movie, which was an all-female cast like spin-off to the Oceans Eleven films that I absolutely love. She was good in it. Um I have to be completely honest, she has this voice that's kind of high-pitched and very raspy. And the louder she talks, it could get kind of annoying. Oh, listen, you gotta give credit where credit is due. Aquafina did incredibly well in this film. Like you actually care about her character in this film she plays katie and she plays shang chi's like childhood friend and one of the things i was grateful for is that they didn't turn it into a stupid romance like she's legit his boy like she's his friend and you could see how she cares for him and how she sticks beside him through all of this all of this crazy shit that happens that she inevitably inevitably gets wrapped up in and she stands her own ground and she just did very well with the part. So that was a surprise to me as well. Uh, and then you have Menger Zhang, who plays Shang-Chi's sh- sister. And holy shit, man. She is a scene stealer and a half. I, I'm i a big fan of when female actresses just hold their own. You know, we've, I'm a kid of the 80s. I grew up with Rambo, Terminator, you know, Kung Fu movies, all this stuff, all of it. I grew up and I watched it and I was obsessed with it and I loved it. But realistically, there were never or rarely ever any female fighters, any female actresses who just kind of were able to hold their own. If anything, female characters were always a damsel in distress. They were weak or they were crying for help or they needed to be rescued or they needed to be saved quite frankly that shit got old it got very old so little by little when you started to see female characters stand their ground it was something to, it was a sight to behold uh going back to the matrix the first time i saw a woman fight in such a way was carrie as trinity in the matrix movies and i was loving it i mean i'm not gonna lie it, it's sexy as hell but it's also just incredible to watch women move very different than men do in martial arts or in combat in boxing. They do. I mean they're they're smaller, they're faster, and when they hit and they're impactful, it's a sight to behold. So here as uh Zai Ling, I believe her name is if I'm not mistaken, the actress Menger Zhang, she just kicks ass and she has this great kind of bob haircut that makes her look like a badass. And her character, that could easily have been a supplemental, and very much so is, she just she brings a, a, a ferociousness to it and a depth to the character, and it 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 helps build upon Shang Chi's origin. And quite frankly, this is one of the best origin films I've seen, possibly since maybe Black Panther. And I, I loved Black Panther, um, but this very much runs along that line. But it, it can be a bit more brutal because there are some scenes, particularly when his dad takes him out to find people who have caused harm to his family. Like, the shit is raw. <laughs> I love the fact that he dressed him in a little suit, like a little blazer and a button-down shirt. But to go and thrash like some Chinese warlords, that was some shit. I was like, wow, man. Wow. So... It it was definitely, in my opinion, I will rank it as one of the best origin stories. But getting back to the fight sequences and the choreography, particularly in a scene where there's a runaway bus, that's where the movie really shines. I didn't, you know, I have to go back and see this, and I'll be honest with you, if it were on Disney Plus, I totally would have paid the whatever twenty nine ninety five to see it. For as you know, for as much as I want, or for as long as you want, until it it goes on sale on on Blu-ray and Direct TV or whatever the case. But I want to go back and see it without question. The visuals were amazing, but the fight scenes, man, the scene on the bus, the scene in the Fight Club. You know, just the beauty of it. It's it's a sight to behold, and it it makes me think. It gave me a moment of pause, like, what if? And I'm. we need to talk about that show, What If? Just like, side note, holy shit, we need to talk about What If? But that'll be another episode. As I sat there and I watched this, and with all due, with respect, with love and respect to Tony Leung, who plays uh, the Mandarin, I asked myself, what if Bruce Lee would still be alive? what if bruce lee would have played the part of shang chi's dad can you imagine bruce lee where would he be right now in terms of acting would he be in the marvel universe would he be in the star wars universe would you know what would he be doing can you imagine him as the mandarin boggles the mind man in a world of what ifs right but anyway, that being said, Bruce is not in it at the most you definitely feel his presence with a lot of the fighting styles and you know, just kind of the impactfulness of the moves and and the beauty of the styles. But the premise also kind of stays on that course of mystical elements and of course the 10 rings do have some kind of energy, again, that is very similar to like the repulsor energy that Tony Stark has from his suit. I love it because you see, you see like Shang-Chi run and then he'll throw his fist to the ground and it would propel him into the sky. You know, so it's, it's a thing of beauty. Um, the, the last fight scene, which is this huge, almost has kind of a Lord of the Rings feel to it. You know, my brother Vic pointed that out. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time ever, my older brother Vic joined us to see a Marvel movie in the theaters. So that was a moment unto itself. Only overshadowed by the fact that he stayed awake for the majority of the film, because my brother knocked knock out at the opening credits, but he, he came and he loved it. He stated in the last fight scene that it's very much kind of like a Lord of the Rings or if you've seen Hero with Jet Li, another phenomenal actor and martial arts master. This kind of gave a, a great resemblance, at least cinematically, the cinematography of it. And it was just beautiful. You know, the film moves. It like takes you from downtown San Francisco to, you know, the the shady streets of Macau. And then it takes you to this mystical place. So the film... It, it keeps moving to its final goal, which is the end of the film, where we see, inevitably, Shang-Chi become who he's destined to be. By the sound of that clanking, you know what time it is. I need a drink. So you go ahead and you take a sip of your beverage, of your tasty beverage, while I take a drink of my water. That's good stuff. Thank you guys for giving me that break very quickly. Um, so, yeah, so the, the film moves incredibly well in that way. It, there's a lot of story to kind of cover as well. So I, I, I guess that the moving of venues helps kind of keep the pacing going. And it does it very, very well, um, particularly a scene in Macau where there's a scaffold fight scene. That's pretty much where I was like, you know what? I've never seen anything like this in any Marvel movie so that a claim of having the the best fight scenes in any Marvel film is properly earned. It's not an exaggeration because I remember there was a time like Rotten Tomatoes said Thor Ragnarok was the greatest Marvel film ever. I was like, hold up. Says who? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Thor Ragnarok was fun, but it's by far and away not even close as one of the best Marvel films. Fun, silly, entertaining, yes. And it's actually, if, if if Thor Ragnarok has any great purpose, is that it's the film that is that are the events immediately before Avengers Infinity War. So if you see Thor Ragnarok, the next film you need to watch after that is Avengers Infinity War, because it just goes right into it. But getting back to Shang-Chi. I I was just so pleased with everything I saw with the introduction of this character that not, I mean, you have to be like a hardcore comic book fan to know about this guy and what he does, what his powers are. You know, you could easily write him off and say, Oh, you know, yeah, he's a Kung Fu master. Like, like people try to write, write off Hawkeye. Don't sleep on my boy Hawkeye. You know, he'll, he'll put an arrow through, through Thanos' eye and shit if Thanos didn't have those rings. So don't sleep on Hawkeye. But I was incredibly pleased, to say the least, with what I saw with Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It, it, It moves the first, I believe this is the first film of the Phase 4 series, or the Phase 5. So this is after the events of Endgame we are now in motion. This is now going to lead us to what the next major film event ultimately will be down the road, which I have a very strong feeling is gonna be a film or a series of films called Secret Wars. If you guys enjoyed Avengers, Infinity War and Endgame, Secret Wars should be some shit that is gonna be next level. So many things happen. So this is kind of that starting point leading into Spider-Man No Way Home that opens up the multiverse that God only knows. If you guys have not seen that trailer, press pause on this podcast now, open up your YouTube app, type in in the search bar, Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Make sure you look at the Marvel Studios one because... I love my fanboys out there, but these guys go nuts making their own trailers and shit and you'll see things that are crazy and you're like, oh my God, is this really going to happen when it's not? So open up YouTube, Marvel Studios, Spider-Man, No Way Home trailer and watch and look at that last scene and see who shows up. It's on and this is little by little where we're going. Now with the first set of films, we had to wait quite some time. It all popped off with Iron Man in 2008 and Avengers Endgame came out in 2019. So that's a long time. That's over 10 years. So hopefully they can kind of condense it this time around and we don't have to wait that long. Maybe they could do it in half the time, but don't rush it on my account. Shit, I got to get in better shape. I need to stick around for these films because there are things coming and the cameos in this movie alone I did not expect them to be. I did not expect for there to be so many cameos, um, which are all pretty meaningful. Um, One in particular, and others that you're just like, holy shit! And you know, it's it's showing you that everything is still very much alive, and there's a lot coming down the pike. Thor, love and thunder. It's just confirmed now that Anthony Mackie is going to do Captain America, another a Captain America movie. So technically, it's Captain America Four. Uh, Spider Man: No Way Home, Venom, uh, Let There Be Carnage. You know, even though it's it's a separate studio, Sony has confirmed that they can kind of dabble with the Marvel Universe. You know, the Disney Marvel Universe. So there's really a lot coming down the stretch. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, you know, it's so, so much that is going to expand into this second event film that God only knows, you know, what's coming. And as I watched Shang-Chi, I could see him, you know, he he has had affiliations in the comic books with the Avengers, so it's it's obviously a matter of time before you know he pops up as a you know as a, as like an honorary member or whatever the hell you want to have it and he helps them i could see there being some big space you know intergalactic throwdown and him being there and him being a crucial element you definitely get that from this film you know and it's just the beauty of it the way they kept the the truth of the martial arts they they kept also you know that being, I guess, a first-generation American, also for Shang Chi, you know, there are a lot of tropes there that they touch on, that is very common amongst Asian families and what they expect and the man of their children to do in in a place where where they have all the opportunities in the world, you know, to be better than their parents. It it touches on a lot of that. It's just it's not just a comic book movie by any means. It touches on so many things, but it does it well, and it keeps the action in tow, and it keeps it, it, it keeps it entertaining, and it keeps it real. Absolutely beautiful film to watch. Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I will give gladly a really solid three and a half stars. You know, I my my top ranking is five stars, and that's Joker territory. You know, I always say that just in case you guys kind of see, you know, to what metric I hold these films. But five stars is Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. You know, five star is Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War. This is a solid three and a half. And that's by no means bad. But for an introduction, it was an incredible movie and a character that I had no clue about. I vaguely knew that I wrote off kind of as, you know, a superhero Bruce Lee. Which is exactly what he is, but this movie does so much more than that so much more than that to keep it entertaining to keep it viable and it holds a lot of traditions true the uh, you know in terms of of th- that Asian mythology and that Asian heritage, you know the lead actor definitely has that you know leading man charm you know it's it's definitely worth checking out if you guys could see it in IMAX. Highly recommend it. Again, the scenery and the fight scenes. If you guys listened to my last episode when I was talking about Black Widow, one of the things that I, I always find frustrating with action movies is, and here you'll see what I mean, In with American directors, they have a tendency to shake the camera when there's a fight going on to kind of intensify what's happening. And I really hate that shit. And I hope they stop doing that. Because when you see it on a film like IMAX, or on a screen like IMAX, it would legitimately give you motion sickness. You know, you have to take that into consideration. You have to take the scope of the film, or or, or particularly a fight scene, you have to take that into consideration. Because if you're going to shake the camera, shit, man, you're going to have people puking popcorn everywhere. Say that five times fast. (laughs) People puking popcorn everywhere. Anyway. Here... They don't shake the camera. They leave it still and they let the actors do the work. That's this is why you get a choreographer. This is this is why these actors have to train and to me by you shaking the camera you're doing them a disservice. Let them show what they've trained for. Let them show you know the discipline and what they've done. You know the one thing I'll give the Wachowskis uh, who directed the Matrix films is that they never shook the camera. They either panned in or panned out. But you saw Keanu Reeves doing his thing. Like That was legit Keanu throwing punches and kicks. That's some serious shit. That's no joke. To stretch your body in that way, to do those jumps and those counter moves and everything else. you know. And if you look at The Matrix Reloaded, I think the second one is my favorite. I think that's what it... Yeah, The Matrix Reloaded, where Keanu Reeves has that confidence now as Neo. Because in the first film, he could, he didn't believe... he he couldn't believe you know that there was this world that we were living in a program and all this other shit so he did karate and it looked cool but it was in the matrix reloaded and in the matrix revolutions where he kicked ass where he had this confidence that he looked like a you know like a kung fu superman you know he wore a coat that that looked like a cape a black coat trench coat that looked like a cloak and he was amazing and in that film, the Wachowskis had the presence of mind to film it the right way. Here in shang we get that. We get the panning out and showing the actors do their thing. And across the board, from Michelle Yao to, to Tony Leung to, to Simo Liu to uh, Meng, uh, the, the young lady who plays his sister, her name escapes me at the moment. I tip my hat. And I, I, I stand and, I, you know, I, I clap and I give all the praise, man. These actors did their thing and they did it beautifully for a film that is based on a comic book character. And that shit fills my heart because comic books often get written off as, as kiddie material. It's not. This is our new mythology. All right. Make no mistake about it. Comic books are our new mythology where we had Hercules and Mercury and Zeus and Athena and all that other shit. And I say that with all due respect because it's not shit. I mean, this is literature. This is, you know, this is something that builds an imaginary world. This is our new mythology. Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Thor, Hulk, all of it. And these actors, you know, these people with credentials, these legitimate actors are beginning to realize that, even more so in a film like Shang-Chi, where you have a gigantic dragon coming out of water, this shit could be comical, one wrong move, one wrong line, one wrong look, one stupid remark, like, oh man, there's a dragon coming out of the water type shit, that they've done to death with with the Transformer films, that they had two, two, I remember I walked out of a Transformer films when I saw these two little robots talk like they were from the hood, like they were from like 168th in Amsterdam. Yeah, what's, what's up? I'm like, are you serious right now? They didn't do that. They're giving the subject the respect it deserves. You have to understand that Shang-Chi was created in the 70s. about as old as I am, I was born in 75. You know, Captain America was done in the 40s. Superman was done in the 40s. Batman was done in the 40s. Spider-Man was done in the 60s. People spent their life sitting at a desk for hours drawing and thinking up stories and thinking up characters. And then where do these characters come from? You know, who who do they love? What what makes them? What what who contributes to their moral compass and all of that you see here all of it you see with Shang-Chi you really do you see how his mother influenced him and how his father influenced him and Michelle Yeoh had a beautiful line in the movie you know it's, it's very you know again Chinese philosophy Bruce Lee Something else he studied, Chinese philosophy. That's why he always, you know, every time you go on Instagram or if you follow Bruce Lee, whatever the case, he's always talking about be fluid, be formless like water. It's all philosophy, but it's real. It has merit. You know, these are principles that these people live by. The shit is real. And there's a part in the film where she tells Shang-Chi, you know, you are your mother, and for better or worse you are your father you must embrace both sides of who you are the good and the bad i think far too often people only try to focus on the good they do in life and not on their negative tendencies on on their on their poor choices on their impulses that comes from somewhere it's not just and you know a random act you you have your bad impulses and and things like that it comes from somebody it's going to come from your mother or your father so they're not necessarily saints nobody's perfect and this is how deep this movie gets into this a movie about a character who pretty much is a kung fu fighter with these magic bracelets this you know this shit is deep it, it they they did it very very well The family dynamic here is fantastic. As I said with Black Widow, Black Widow was a very entertaining film. You know, definitely, I love it because I kind of saw Black Widow as an expansion of Captain America's story, you know, to a degree. But the dynamic in Black Widow of her mother and her sister, who I absolutely love, the dynamic between her and her sister and her father, Marvel knows how to work that family element. They just know how to do that shit. And I don't know if it's because of Disney's influence now that they purchased Marvel or what, but these writers just know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They did it in the first Thor film with Odin and Loki, you know, with Spider Man, with Aunt May, you know, even the dynamic with Tony and Peter as it progresses going into Endgame. Family. You know, the the only thing about family with DC Comics, if you really think about it, it doesn't work the same way. Wonder Woman was banished from Theris- Themyscira because she didn't listen. She broke, you know, the rules. She did forbidden things and she was banished from Themyscira, a paradise. Superman didn't know his real parents. He came to Earth. He met Jonathan and Martha Kent, who took him in, who are the better of humanity. That's why... They've done stories. What if Superman landed and he was found by Lex Luthor's father? Holy shit, there goes that. You know, they would have raised a a Superman Donald Trump. (laughs) That's a bad idea. See what I'm saying? But no, Superman was found by the best of humanity. They taught him to hold back his powers, that he he has to be a beacon of hope. Even jor compounds that when he finally realizes his ancestry and who he is. Batman loses his parents. They're murdered. It drives him on this incredible sense of justice that he is a machine. He does not stop, but he has a supplemental family in Dick Grayson, in Barbara Gordon, in Alfred, in Jason Todd, in Tim Drake, in Selina Kyle. They become his family. See what I mean? But Marvel does it, and they just, they just know how to do it. DC does it in a very different way. Marvel does it in a very rich and, and nurturing and, and just powerful way. And Shang-Chi, that was one of its greatest strengths as a film, is next to the fact that it had the most beautiful martial arts and fight sequences I've seen in a film in a long time and better than any Marvel movie. Family was the immediate second factor that made this film successful, incredibly successful. If you guys get a chance, go and see it, preferably in IMAX. If you don't get to see it in theater and it comes out on Disney+, definitely check it out there. You're gonna wanna watch it because this is the beginning of the next event movie. Mark my words, mark my words, the big man don't lie. And that's gonna be my time, guys. Thank you as always for taking a moment to hear me babble about this stuff. I love so much and you love too. if not, you won't listen, right? As always, you can send me questions, comments, concerns, anything, anything you want me to talk about. Let me know, check me out, Instagram handle heroes retreat with Noel Cruz, or send me an email heroes retreat podcast at gmail.com. Anything you want to talk about again, doesn't even have to be superhero stuff. This is the platform I've chosen, but we could talk about whatever. We could even talk about, you know, Michael K. Williams passing and the work he did in The Wire and other films. You know, that it was, was a really sad loss, man. It's like him, Chadwick Boseman, you know, we're losing phenomenal young actors. If we're not losing them to cancer, we're losing them to substance abuse. You know, we, we got to take care of each other, man. We got to take care of each other. That's, that's, that's why I will have it no other way. Every time I say goodbye to you, just remember to take care of yourself and each other have to. There's no, I, I think I think Jerry Springer used to say the same shit when his TV show <laughs> when his T V show ended, but I'm no Jerry Springer by any means, man. But even in the chaos of his of his T V show, it it's a valid point. Take care of yourself and take let's we have to take care of each other. Now more than ever. So I will see you guys on the next episode of Heroes Retreat. I think we're gonna tackle what if um I haven't decided yet. I'd rather the show kind of conclude so I could do a complete review. But I will say this I think we're now coming five episodes in. It is quite possibly the most beautiful animation I've ever seen in my life. Honestly. And it is the most entertaining out of the Disney Plus TV series. Like they're batting excuse me, they're they're batting a thousand. With this show, um, there's not one episode that I felt has been. Hmm, uh, I kind of had that with WandaVision. Um, I kind of had that a little bit with Loki, but Loki definitely got better as it went along. The only one I loved consistently was Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That moved at a beautiful pace. What If is outdoing that by leaps and bounds. So if you guys have not seen it, check it out. What If on Disney Plus. In the meantime, That's it. I am your host, Noel Cruz. You guys are absolutely fantastic. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening as always. You guys be good. Um, Some movies coming out in October as we are in September. We got quite a few movies coming out in October. One of them, and I'm going to make an episode about this, even though he's not a superhero, but he definitely has some superhero qualities. In October, we have Venom coming out, but we also have James Bond, No Time to Die, 007. And I love me some James Bond, man. And I have to say that the Daniel Craig films to date have been the most consistent, the most entertaining, and quite frankly, some of the best James Bond films ever made. With all due respect to Sean Connery, who I absolutely loved and who has no equal. So I think I'm gonna touch on a James Bond uh, kind of a superhero showcase. That should be fun. Change it up a little bit. But check out that trailer, No Time to Die. Check out Spider-Man, uh, No Way Home. And definitely check out What If on Disney Plus till we talk again. You guys said it before, I say it again. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Thank you for listening and I will see you next time for a new episode of Heroes Retreat with Noel Cruz. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.